From UA Little Rock Public Radio, this is The Art Scene. I'm Daniel Brain. Remember concerts, like when you go to a place, buy a ticket, and sit down? Music has definitely continued during the pandemic in Central Arkansas, but in-person face-to-face concerts have been a trickier undertaking. Nevertheless, the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra has faced the challenge with its usual grace and aplomb, pivoting to virtual and outdoor concerts and returning to the Robinson Center last month for a holiday spectacular. Now the symphony is back with their latest Masterworks concert, aptly titled A Lyric Return. The show on Saturday, January 30th at 7.30 truly makes the best of a not-so-great situation. With brass and wind instruments limited due to COVID restrictions, the show is a panoply of string works, showing off the impressive range of the section, which might not normally shine through in a larger orchestra. ASO Interim Artistic Director Jeffrey Robson returns to the art scene this week to walk us through the show, which features music by Ray Fawn Williams, Claude Debussy, and more modern composers George Walker and Jesse Montgomery. Thank you so much, Jeff, for talking to me. It's always great to talk to you. Uh, I guess I would just start by um, asking you how everything's going. I mean, we've been talking a little bit before the show just about uh, the, all the changes that you all have had to contend with and on how short of a notice you've had to make these changes and things like that. I, I guess I would just ask, how are you all doing and uh, how are things going uh, programmatically at the symphony? You know, I think spirits are good. It's been... It's been a crazy wild ride and, and, you know, everyone has worked really hard to kind of find their um, place in how to, in how to help us move forward. And, you know, I think from the beginning, from the very beginning of, of um, this whole episode of this pandemic, I mean, everyone has just really stayed focused on our mission which is to bring the power of music to, to people in Arkansas. And um, because of the uh, magic of social media and the internet, it's turned out we've been able to bring the power of music to um, many, many people beyond the borders of Arkansas as well. And so there's, it's been in some ways an exciting journey. It's been stressful, of course, for everybody, from the people who have to make sure we remain financially viable to, you know, the the players who have to get incredibly creative on, um, you know, regarding figuring out how to produce content that would be engaging to our our listeners and to people who love the orchestra and who come to concerts. Um, And then on a planning front, you know, we've, I, um, You know, I made this, I've made this joke many times over the course of the pandemic that, you know, people in all sorts of positions who do all sorts of things have all of a sudden been forced to become public health experts, right? Because, you know, in order to do, in order to do what we do um, safely in this environment, it's required an extraordinary amount of research and being in touch with people who are actually experts and um, keeping an ear to the ground for a constantly changing amidst the constantly changing situation and uh, figure out what we can do where when and how 
um, basically starting over from scratch, you know, because the whole idea of a symphony orchestra on stage with a crowded concert hall, our traditional format, this was out the window, right? So from the from the beginning, we kind of had to start over at figuring out what it meant to be in an orchestra right now. And, um, you know, and we've learned a huge amount. And over the course of the last six months or so, we've um, gradually figured out how to safely have small ensembles performing. And I'm sure, you know, many of the listeners to this program have seen our online concerts, um, perhaps gone to one, some of our outdoor concerts that we put on this past fall um, when the weather was nice. And then most recently, our first return to the Robinson Center stage um, since March, which happened last month in December um, for, a, for a holiday concert. So, um, what people saw on stage at Robinson, if they saw that that live stream performance, was a setup for the orchestra that we'll be recreating in the months ahead as we look forward to opening finally our um, 2021 Masterworks series at the end of this month. Sure, and that that setup is essentially just a smaller than average, you know, what you would expect from the symphony orchestra. It's going to be fewer musicians. Um, obviously, the, all of the public health guidelines that we've become so familiar with over the past few months. I guess because, I mean, you kind of, in your role, have to play this dual role of, like you said, public health expert and thinking of all the logistical aspects of it. But you also have to, like you said, kind of start over with a blank slate from a from a programmatic aspect of it, because you have to, uh, well, I guess I would ask, do you have to pick all new music or do you have to sort of work within the confines, you know, adapt what would normally be a large symphonic work to work with the smaller group? Or I guess, what what are you uh, having to contend with there? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and really that gets to the crux of the, of the um, whole situation. And, and, you know, when a composer puts their pen to paper, whether it's in literally or metaphorically, um, for to write a piece for orchestra, they construct an instrumentation. Um, and, and every piece can have a different required number of instruments. So if you've been to a symphony concert, you will see in between pieces of music, players walking on and off stage. Um, and so the question of what we can play is really guided by how many people we can have on stage. And sometimes this is, you know, these are budget considerations and these are artistic considerations with venues and, and, and things like that. And now in this case, it's with public health guidelines. And so, um, you know, with the appropriate measures in place, which, include, of course, distancing and and all sorts of, you know, protocols that I won't get into the details, um, but including, you know, featuring primarily people who play instruments that you can wear a mask to play. Um, so there is there's a big limiting factor in and of itself. Um, so the point is, it, it does completely change the music, the repertoire selections. So it was starting over from scratch. One, 
neat thing about it is looking at this format that we can that we can use 25 30 people people on stage um kind of picking and choosing which instruments there's a wealth of repertoire by the great composers whose names we all know as well as um as well as great composers whose names we are not as familiar with, as well as up and coming great composers who um, we're you know, excited to bring to our audiences for the first time. There's a wealth of repertoire for these smaller ensembles that has been really one of the great pleasures to try to really get into and have the opportunity to um, program. There's a lot of pieces that we'll be doing this spring that normally would be hard to put on a masterworks program because it doesn't use, quote unquote, the whole orchestra. These are chamber orchestra works. Um, and so I think that our audiences will be um, delighted to, you know, to experience hearing pieces of music by composers they know well that they haven't heard performed on the stage or Robinson before, um, as well as hearing works of certain composers for, um, for the very first time. So yeah, it really has been starting over um, and we've done it multiple times, you know, because we weren't sure exactly what we'd be able to feel at the, at the beginning of all this. And so it's, um, we've all, uh, we've all learned a lot of new pieces at least in theory. Yeah, and I mean, I can I can hear like the excitement in your voice talking about this um, as you know as a string player yourself. Was this sort of like you were saying, um, you know, having to limit the the woodwinds and the brass sections? Was this kind of was there a part of you that was kind of like, oh, this is my chance to sort of show off the the string repertoire once and for all? I mean, it, it is definitely that. It is a chance to show off our amazing string section. I mean, I would, you know, I I can't even <laughs> put into words how much I've missed having a wind and brass section um, to work with and, and just the full symphonic repertoire over the last, you know, nine months. And I think that all of the string players would, would um, say the same thing. I mean, there were so many programs, even going, you know, going back to last season that we were so excited to put on. Um, and hopefully many of them will be able to do next, you know, next year. But yeah, our first concert will feature just strings um, along with a, along with a solo harp. Um, our principal harpist, Elisa Coffey, will be playing a um, piece by Claude Debussy, the name that, 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 of course, many concert goal, uh, goers will know well. Actually, we played music of Debussy on the last Masterworks concert we were able to perform. Um, but this is a piece Debussy wrote for solo harp and strings, the um, two dances, sacred and profane, sacred and profane. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful piece. And, and that's just an example of, of something that we're going to be able to present that would not normally be on a Masterworks concert. Right. Well, I do want to kind of explore that notion a little bit more, uh, just this, you know, programming things that normally wouldn't fit into the Masterworks uh, programming, I guess. Uh, if you could just describe for maybe people who aren't familiar, what is the Masterworks? I guess, what is the what is the symphony going for in its Masterworks series? And what what are you going for when you're selecting this music that, as you say, doesn't typically fit into what a what a masterworks program would be. 
our Masterworks series is kind of, I would describe that as this is the sort of core essence of the sort of concerts that you think of when you think of traditional symphony orchestra. Um, these are the concerts where you go to hear, uh, you know, a Beethoven symphony or a Mahler symphony or, you know, uh, Stravinsky or, you know, um, or contemporary composers, major names like Jennifer Higdon or some of the, you know, people that we've brought to Little Rock to, 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 play, to play their music. Um, and, you know, that is, that's kind of, that's a big part of what we do. In addition to the Masterworks series, we also have our Pops series, which are concerts um, that are involve a full orchestra, but are not necessarily of like the classical kind of concert music tradition. For example, we'll do uh, shows of Broadway music, musical theater, which of course is orchestral, but is not strictly classical. Um, that's also where we've done some of our live to film productions where we show a movie and the orchestra performs the entire score of a John Williams scored film. Um, things like that are things the symphony orchestra does, but are outside of like the quote unquote masterworks series. So, um, so that's where many of our, you know, core followers sort of look to see what's, what the orchestra is doing on stage. And, um, and so my goal in creating a reduced masterworks series was to find the great, great works by the great composers and the great living composers and, and um, people that, you know, the same balance of, of kind of the familiar and the, the new and the challenging that we're always trying to strike, um, but within this smaller set. You're listening to The Art Scene from UA Little Rock Public Radio. I'm Daniel Brain. We're speaking with Arkansas Symphony Orchestra Interim Artistic Director and Associate Conductor Jeffrey Robson about their latest Masterworks concert titled A Lyric Return. The show is Saturday, January 30th at I definitely get that sense in looking at this this masterworks uh, concert that you have coming up in what you've uh, what you have on the program for it. You like you said, you have Debussy and uh, Rayfon Williams, who are definitely both very well known classical composers. But uh, you also have contemporary composers uh, Jesse Montgomery and George Walker, who people may not have ever heard of. You know, I, I certainly have never heard of them. Um, I, I guess what was your uh, process of selecting those two uh, composers specifically and those works. Yeah. So um, the work of Jesse Montgomery is um, a body of work that I kind of discovered earlier this year. She is a New York based composer and actually very fine violinist as well. Who's um, her musical style. I would kind of describe as, 
like a New York kind of post minimalism, like post Stephen Reich type uh, of music. If you're familiar with in with that kind of strain of contemporary music, very um, lively, a lot of rhythmic kind of textures and complexity, and then kind of beautiful melodies on on top of it. Um, I found this piece because it was it was being performed by a number of number of different orchestras recently, and I got into her music and and really have found it very engaging um, and well worth looking up. Jesse Montgomery. Um, we're going to play a piece called Strum, which was originally a string quartet, but she adapted it for string orchestra. And uh, as you might guess from the title, you'll hear a lot. Of, you'll hear. Um, string instruments playing not just with their bows, but also a lot of actual strumming on the, is one of the rhythmic elements to the piece. Um, really fun way to open the program, I think. And, it, and it's very American sounding work. There's kind of a, she describes it as having kind of a folk idiom to the, to, to the music. Excited to, I excited to uh, bring that to the stage for sure. And the George Walker, um, George Walker is a composer that I became familiar with along with a lot of other people in in my field as over the last couple of years we've kind of you know as is sure everyone will know there's been rather a reckoning um in in this country about how um well in this case you know artists classical musicians of color were treated in the overall industry um in past decades and you know great composers who were overlooked and so george walker is a black american composer who was active in the middle of the 20th century and this piece lyric for strings is almost ex an exact contemporary of um the much much better known samuel barber's um adagio for strings and it's kind of in the same vein uh, modern, extremely moving, beautiful music, um, uh, lyrical and, and lush and tonal and beautiful. And I was astonished that, you know, this piece um, that, that, we've, that we've been so, um, you know, that such, that such works have not been, well, I'm not <laughs> astonished not that this happened because of course this is the this is this is our history that we all you know have to have to live with but um i was blown away by how beautiful this piece of music was and immediately put it at the near the top of the list of, of pieces i want wanted to program so this is so the george walker is an example of a um of a of a piece by a composer who has been overlooked by history and um, it's, you know, um, it's, it's only appropriate that we, that we continue to look back to, you know, to figure out what has been, um, you know, the, the damage that has been done by ignoring um, brilliant works of music in past decades as well. Yeah, I mean, this might be kind of a dumb question to someone who, you know, has devoted their life to classical music, obviously, but um, how how do you go about finding those those composers, like you say, who have been um, historically overlooked? I mean, is that, are composers like that something you were ex uh, exposed to 
at a younger age, like when you were studying and um, in the conservatory, or was that some something that you had to you know be intentional about and go out and and essentially look for these these pieces and these these composers? I mean, I, I think that it's still something you have to be intentional about, as with, you know, um, as with overcoming all all manner of biases, right? Like this is, the, it, it's, it has to be an intentional act. Luckily now we have um, the internet and there are a lot of good people doing great work to bring some of these composers who've been, who've been um, overlooked to light. And, um, and so I'm, you know, as as one as a performer, I'm kind of the beneficiary of of the work that others are doing and sharing with us. And you know, I'm not the only I'm not the only person interested in in this work for sure. So there's a lot of there's a lot of sharing of information going on. Um, some some wonderful publications that have have come out highlighting some of these composers. Um, and so the the information is out there. You just have to you know want to go get it. Well, just in speaking of the internet, in listening to uh, the the pieces that you have on this program, um, and this is like I'm not looking for any like confirmation from you or anything, but just my like theory of just listening to these four pieces, it's like you start off like you said with strum with Jesse Montgomery and the the pizzicato and the the plucking and strumming of the of string instruments that normally aren't played that way, and then you kind of segue that into the harp, which is plucked with the the WC piece. And then that kind of goes into a, a very legato, like you were saying, similar to like the adagio for strings with the with the George Walker piece, which is so lush and um, just very flowy and what you would normally associate with string music. And then it kind of ends on the Vaughn Williams with mixing the two and you're sort of giving rise to a soloist as well. Um, I guess was that like what I was saying earlier, the opportunity to showcase really the, the range of, of string instruments as a whole? Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and so that's, um, I like the kind of progression that, that, that you pointed out. Definitely the idea was to cast the sound of a string section in a bunch of different lights um, and kind of hopefully capture a totality of like some of the, you know, some of the things that a string section can do. Um, and within the context of a program that also was going to feel relieving to our audiences. Like for, for a lot of folks, this will be their first time kind of hearing while watching live while it's happening, even if it's, you know, on at first through a screen. Um, their orchestra, you know, or the, the ASO playing on stage. And so, this is also kind of a, it's kind of a comfort program. I feel like each of the pieces is expressive, but also warm and kind of, in a way, um, I'm hopeful that it will bring a sense of relief to everybody because they're all truly beautiful pieces of music. So um, that was that was kind of the idea with with this program. Yeah, and that what you just mentioned, the warmth, that kind of goes to uh, my last question for you today. Just is that more of a, you know, certainly that's a result of the pieces that you're choosing to play, but um, does that also come with the, the smaller size of the orchestra? I guess my original question is, what do you think is lost 
um, in a in a larger orchestra, or maybe gained in in playing works that are either meant for smaller orchestras or just being played on a smaller a smaller group of people. You know, I I think that there's um, there's some individuality gained for for individual string players. I think. I mean, we'll still be focused on kind of our sound and the section sound and the sound of the Arkansas Symphony Orchestra strings in the same way that we would um, normally with a, even a larger string section. But as you pointed out, there's this particular program has some really beautiful solo opportunities for a number of different players in the orchestra, which is always a nice thing to be able to highlight in a program like this that happens during the Vaughn Williams. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's, in terms of what's lost, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the everything, right? It's the, it's this, doing Stravinsky's Firebird Suite and having all the winds and brass and the percussion and, you know, that's, so it's, it's, it's not quite the same um, in terms of, I guess, the, the repertoire that we play. I mean, what's lost right now is those big pieces of music. Um, and, you know, we have everybody, everybody's um, ready to go just as soon as we can, we can do it safely. But I think that's the, um, we're not we're not going to allow ourselves to miss out on the opportunity to do what we can do and uh there's a lot to be had there there's a lot to be enjoyed by our audiences there's a lot of music to be made by the musicians and um and that will you know contribute toward us being able to carry on fulfilling our mission That was Jeffrey Robson, Arkansas Symphony Orchestra's Interim Artistic Director and Associate Conductor, speaking about the symphony's upcoming Masterworks concert, A Lyric Return. The show is set for Saturday, January 30th at 7.30 p.m. And that's our show for this week. Please tune in next week at the same time. I'm Daniel Breen, and The Art Scene is a presentation of UA Little Rock Public Radio.